Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bob Lab, episode 50, that is. I am Jason Stalakis, your host. I'm here with uh, Derek McGuire. I don't think he needs an introduction. He's been on here way too many times. Um, Derek, how are you doing today on this fine Wednesday evening? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's been a little bit of a long day um, for me, but I'm doing good. Um, there's been a little bit of a – there's been some baseball news, but not a ton. It's the offseason stuff moves slow, as always, so – just waiting for the first big thing to happen, really. Waiting for the first domino to fall. Indeed, winter meetings, not for a couple more weeks at least. Um, if, if I'm correct, I don't really know. Um, yeah, it's so December 4th through 7th. So yeah. yeah, so a couple weeks, yeah. Um, speaking of long, it's been forever since I've done an episode with Nate. It was Last episode was, um, I think, September 16th, which was a while ago. We had yeah. an episode. We had an episode grading the Red Sox players. We'll probably have another one because that f- that file got corrupted and it deleted. It's a long story, but anywho, we're here to talk about Craig Breslow, Heimblum's replacement. Uh, right off the bat, Derek, what do you think? Wh- why do you think they chose Breslow over um, the other candidates that were interviewed? Why do you think they chose him? I think they're keeping this uh, their focus on sustainability. I think. There are a couple, maybe some people that I know that I, and I know of some people that were scared that, oh, they're going to pull another 180, go for a Dombrowski type guy. And, you know, some people, maybe without the knowledge of guys like Sam Fold, thought, oh, he's Dombrowski's sec- right hand man. That's not good. That's a full 180. Fold wouldn't have been a full 180. There's, you know, but getting a guy like Breslow, it kind of keeps the same idea in terms of the over the whole same overarching idea of sustainability we want to win and we want to win consistently we don't want to just win one year and then bad for three or four years and we win one year and they want to be very sustainable and i think breslow's a guy who is going to prioritize that i think that's why they went with him and i also think he brings a lot of stuff on the pitching side where they've built out a massive a really really good massive you know position player group in the farm system but the pitching's a little bit behind the position players for sure. Um, but I think bringing in a guy like Breslow, you look at the success he's had with the Cubs system um, and how and at the big leagues and the minor leagues, he can bring some maybe new ideas to the pitching side of things. Um, and I think that's apparent, and I think we'll get into a little bit later. But I think Breslow and his you know ide- ideology behind pitching and whatnot. Um, as well as what, how, you know, his track record in terms of personnel he likes. Um, you know, we'll get into this a little bit later with a guy like a Shane Johan getting unprotected, but I think Breslin and how he views the pitching development probably has a pretty big to sit role in that. Um, and it's a little bit different, but I think that's kind of what they need. The pitching development has not been bad by any means. Um, it's been very good in the low minors, but in kind of triple A, double A it's been good, triple A it's kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit with a guy like, for example, Shane Johan, really good in double-A, struggled in triple-A, right? So right. I think they're – and then also to the big league side, they have a lot of guys with potential. Guys like Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Hout, whether they're starters or relievers, doesn't really matter, but they have potential. They could do either-or, and they could be really good in either-or. But you got to figure out where they land and what's going to suit them best and where they're going to perform best and how do you get the most out of them. And I think a guy like Breslow is really going to help with that. Right, and I'm going to go two sides on this. Positives, he was a former player. Um, pitching, like yeah, like you like you said before, like done some great things with the Cubs, reformed their system, and 
you know, that for a system like the Red Sox, who needs pitching reform really badly, like you said, low minors, it's okay. But then when you get up higher to like AAA, it's not there other than Drohan, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I like what I'm seeing so far as in, as in like the goal, the mindset, pitching, focused, awesome, pitching, pitching and defense, win championships at the end of the day. Um, and then the other side of things, he's never made uh, a move, right? He's never made uh, a big signing. He's never made a big trade. Um, will he be able to identify prospects for suspects or is he going to be another prospect hoarder like Bloom was? Which, look, it, it's way too early to judge him already, but um, it's looking like so far he's. I think he'll be a, maybe a little bit more conservative, except, I mean, look, we saw Shane Rohan unprotected. So how much of this minor league system does he want to modify for his liking rather than Bloom's liking too. Um, I mean, it, it's interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see how they attack the offseason. Will they get two arms? Will they get it? Will they trade for a front end arm? Maybe we we, we got to see. And you know, nothing's happened yet except for Tyler Wade. That doesn't count though. But I think I think it's going to be dependent on what the direction is, and that's yet to be seen. Yeah, definitely, and. and- I think the thing here with uh, Breslau is like, yeah, he's never made a big move. But at the same time, like, that's, I mean, if you're going to hire a first-time guy, you know, you know he's never made that big move because he's never been in the seat to make the big move. But I feel like with Breslau, I think him being a former player, there's going to be, you know, every every team talks about, you know, every, like the 2018 Red Sox, right? Or even, you know, 2017 and 2018, they needed to make the big move. They got Chris Sale. That was the big move. But really heading into 2018, they needed that bat to replace David Ortiz. If they didn't really have in 2017, go out get J.D. Martinez. That's your big move. Didn't matter what the cost was. They need. They felt they needed that guy. They got that guy. Is that always the right thing to do? No. That's the thing you really want to do when you're maybe only one piece away, not when you're two, three, four, five pieces away. Um, but so that's, you know, that's the thing that probably won't even pop up right now. But we start looking at this Red Sox. We know what they need. They desperately need pitching. They don't necessarily need to add a second baseman if they don't want to. They don't need to add a catcher. I know some people have been talking about catcher. They don't need to if they don't want to. Um, they really don't even necessarily need to add to the bullpen if they don't want to. Um, but they need starting pitching. Um, yeah, also you could use a right-handed power bat. Maybe a guy could DH play a little bit of the field too. But, like, the the total need is on starting pitching. Um, and that's where the focus is going to be, you would think. Um and I think I think you're looking at a guy in Breslow where, like, he's not going to be able to. I don't think he'll be scared to make the move that he thinks is right. And I don't think he's going to have kind of some of the second guesses that we've heard of Heimblum having. Which you know, um, we'll we'll obviously see. We don't. We still don't know. Obviously, Breslow first time going at it, but um, everything he he said all the right things. Which I mean, we said the same Absolutely. thing about Heim. Heim always said the same, said the right things. But I feel like there's a little bit of like a, there feels maybe a little bit more pedigree just because the guy he's played he played in Boston before he won a World Series, um, so for some people, he maybe seems there's a little bit more of a pedigree there. Whereas Heim, it was like, yeah, he seems to be talented as a front office guy, but like he's all he's done known is like the Rays, and it's the Rays, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I, I understand, but. It's like I said before, it's going to be interesting to see, like, are they going to get two arms? But the, my, my fear is, look, you already have teams who said, I want two arms. Well, we want two arms. We want two front end arms. 
right? The Dodgers are going to be out there looking. I know they're young, but never you can never have too much pitching. The Cardinals came out and said they're looking to add two arms. Um, the Yankees are always a threat. The Padres are always a threat, although I don't think they'll spend at the end of the day. The Giants are a threat. You know, I, I already named, what, four or five teams off the bat. Those are teams you're going to be competing against. And the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks could use a guy. They could also use veteran guys, too. Um, a little off topic. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's not it's not out of the question that they're um, – gonna spend an uh, spend money on an arm but if breslow does if, if breslow does that you know he'll earn my uh, respect or something i don't know how to put it exactly but if he if he makes that big move kudos to him yeah i mean there's, there's a lot of like arms on the mo- on the market but like there feels a little bit of like a i don't want to say a lack of like high-end arms because like you have guys like blake snell who just want to cy young but, like, Snell, like, yeah, I just want to Cy Young. It's one year. We know how Snell can be. He can have an amazing year, and then the next year he's back to being the Blake Snell we know, which is mm-hmm. good, but not not where you should not be paying him top-line money, right? He's going to get over $200 million just because he's a Boris client and he won the Cy Young. And that, to his defense, yes, he won the Cy Young. He's the yes. best pitcher in the NL. So he's going to get a big payday. And doesn't help when Boris is your – not help it – also doesn't help a team if they're trying to save money when Boris is the agent too. So, but yeah, to hear what you're saying, look, Snell had, this was undoubtedly his best year in San Diego. Right. Oh, easily. Also but, pitcher, pitcher's ballpark too. There is also pitcher's that. ballpark. Exactly. We'll say that um, too. I mean, he doesn't pitch all his games there, but it is something to be noted. Yes. I mean, just look at, just look at Juan Soto. I mean, look, pitcher's park, and he just can't hit there. Off topic, but... Although I think um, that's... I, I've been banging that over, but I think that's a little bit different. I think it's just Soto just sucks there because there's other <laughs> pitcher's ballparks where he hits really good at. It's confusing. But also, you have guys like Aaron Nola, right? Nola, probably, realistically, a two. Um, and But, like, you can argue he might get one money. Um yeah. I think he's probably between the borderline of one and two money. He's not going to get like ace ace money, but he'll probably get like still yeah. still really good money. Uh, but he's more of a two innings eater, which the Red Sox do need. But like, eh, like like and Yamamoto is going to get paid, but he's Yamamoto, as yeah. much as as much as I love Yamamoto, he's unproven in the MLB. Um, he's also uh, a ground ball guy too, kind of. But like not even that though, because if you have Trevor Story at shortstop, your deep infield defense should be fine. Um, but then you have a bunch of guys. You have like the Sonny Grays of the world, who arguably just had the best year of his career, right? Mm-hmm. But the um, flip side of things, when he played in a big market team like New York, he did not do well, right? Yeah, there's that yeah, side of things too. Yeah, exactly. And then you have got yeah, you have like those guys. You guys like Eduardo Rodriguez, right? You have because you have a bunch of guys. You have guys like Marcus Stroman. You have you know all those guys. Um, and then you have names which you know obviously like no one really knows the whole. Um, Julio Urias situation is he's a free agent, but like, is anyone going to grow? Go, there's nothing really around him right now, obviously, because of the whole situation going on around him. Um, but like, because he would have been my pick for the Red Sox. Oh, yeah, my he, he was my pick like for the last like year and a half. I've been like, uh, they're let's, let's just like get Urias when he's a free agent and, and Yamamoto. He been on Yamamoto for yeah. a while. Oh, yeah, for sure, and, but. But then you have guys too, like Shota Imanaga, another guy seems to seemingly mid-rotation starter, 
you know, two number two or number three maybe. Uh, but he's also unproven uh, stateside. So, like, there is, you know, there should be a, a lot of decent arms. It's just there's a lot of that mid-tier, like mid to high, like that like middle tier to just above middle tier, but not at that top end. Um, there's no, like, standout, like a Garrett Cole, for example, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, like, standout free agent where it's like, that's the ace. There isn't really that guy. Except even though we, just, we have Snell, a guy who but... just want to – Yeah, but, he just, even, but he's not – Snell's not that, like, ace where it's like, this guy has been that kind of pitcher for two, that is three, true. Yes. four straight years. But I There's get your point, There's not yes. that, you know. There's not that top-line ace. You have guys who you think might be able to be an ace, mm-hmm. but for how long or can yeah. they be an ace or are they more of a number two? Yeah. Forgot to mention Jordan Montgomery too, that emerging too. Yep. in the playoffs. Yeah, he just like you said, he's like a million more in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, on one team he's a two. He's on one team is a one, but on another team he could be a three. So exactly, go figure. Like, go figure. That's the thing. So it, it's, it's you know, there's no Verlander either this off season, right? Yeah, there's yeah. no Scherzer from the off season before, right? It, those guys aren't there, right? Um, so there's not that massive, massive name. It's a lot of guys who are good and you know can very much help you fill out your rotation, which is what the Red Sox need. Uh, but at the same time, you have to figure out okay, which guy is going to be the best fit, and also which guy is going to be the best fit in terms of money. Because yeah, the Red Sox could go over the the first luxury tax threshold and whatnot, but you don't want to go over the the uh, third threshold, and I, I doubt they'd want to go over the third one. So as much as they do have money to play with, they also have to be a little bit careful at the same time because you don't right. want to overspend. You don't want to spend just to spend. You want to yeah. make sure you still spend your money wisely. Right. They reset for a reason. They're not going to be dumb. Oh, I hope they're not dumb and they no. go over the third threshold. But look, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see. And it's, it, right now, it's, as we're recording, November 15th, nothing major has happened. Probably nothing will happen. I think things will start to heat up in a couple weeks leading up to the winter meetings. Uh, I think that's inevitable. And look, I'm excited. This is the this is the best time of the off season. Um, we're just waiting for the first domino to fall. I th- that's what I think. But yeah. any last thoughts until we move on to another topic? Um, I, I think just kind of to wrap it all up, like I think I think there's actual excitement within the Red Sox fan base for once, but I, we'll just have to wait and see, honestly. Exactly. So we're going to move on to the 40-man roster. Um, so yesterday was – as in 11-14-2023 was the last day to add prospects to the 40-man roster to protect them from Rule 5 eligibility. Um, two Red Sox prospects got added, um, Luis Perales and Wilhelm Gonzalez. Um, and not Shane Drohan, who was in AAA. Um, Derek, I know you cover the minor league show for the Pesky Report, and you've been looking at Shane Drohan for quite a bit, actually. Up until his promotion, he hasn't been as good as he was in Double A. Um, you know, tell me more about why you think they left him unprotected. Um, so my thoughts on Johan, uh, obviously. Uh, so, oh, so here's the overall thing on Johan. When people look at his year this year, there's a lot of buzz around him early in the year because uh, he, he made six starts in Portland to start the year. He had a 132 ERA. Um, it was 34 innings pitched. Um, and he was just, you know, 36 strikeouts, only nine walks, was like just lights out, right? He gets called up to AAA, and 
Does part of it have to do with Worcester being the most hitter-friendly ballpark maybe ever, potentially? Does part of it maybe have to do with the guys who are catching in AAA, like Jorge Alfaro? Maybe. But in AAA, he goes uh, 21 appearances, 19 of them starts, uh, 89 innings in a 647 ERA. Um, He gave up 64 earned runs in 89 innings. He also gave up 103 hits in 89 innings. Um, He had 93 strikeouts to 63 walks. So the walks per nine went from 2.38 in AA to 6.37 in AAA, and the strikeouts were only about the same um, in terms of per nine. So it was a big drop-off. And and the reason why Johan garnered so much buzz is coming into this year – uh, before this, the spring training and whatnot, he was before this year. He was kind of guy sat 88 to 88 90 with his fastball, wasn't really overpowering, could occasionally get up into the low, maybe 93 94 occasionally, but mostly 88 90, maybe occasionally 91 92. Um, and then the rare, you know, 93 94. Um, but this year he was sitting around the uh, 92 to 94, even 95 range. And he even hit like 96 a, b- a little bit too, especially early in the year. And it was like, oh, this we might have a new guy here. He also added in a cutter as well um, this past off season. And it was working really well in trip, I mean, in double A. Um, so there's a lot of buzz around him and he looked really good in spring training and was amazing in double A. Um, but I think the numbers in triple A, you know, so there's still a long way to go. Uh, there's still a way to go, which isn't a bad thing, but there's still a way to go in development. He's not like a blue chip pitching prospect. I uh, did break out this year, but there's still some concerns. And also, too, when you look at Breslow and look at this, his time with the Cubs, one of the big things for him was stuff. The Cubs minor league system, I think, was like first in total and like average velocity on their fastball and was second in like stuff plus. Like it was a, it was it was a arm system that brought velo and brought some nasty stuff, and I think when you look at Trohan, doesn't bring that super high velo. He's not a super high velo guy. He's better now, and now he's low to mid nineties instead of high to high eighties to low nineties. But um, but he also doesn't have like the crazy stuff either. You look at guys like Luis Perales. He throws hard, but he's got really good second. He's got secondaries that have really great potential. Same thing with a guy like Wilhelming Gonzalez. Throws hard, really great potential to have really great stuff, right? Look at Drohan, that same kind of potential isn't necessarily there. Doesn't mean he can't still pan out, be a very solid MLB pitcher. Um, but I think when you look at a big picture, especially too with the amount of struggles he had in AAA, um, I think there's a chance he gets taken. But at the same time, I think the Red Sox maybe looked at it and went, you know, maybe we're not going to add him because maybe we don't see him having a shot at the big league roster, especially when you have to have guys like, we'll maybe talk about it a little bit, like a guy like a Brian Matta has to be on the big league roster or else he's got to go through waivers, right? Um, and they're going to add guys throughout this offseason. They don't want to add him to the 40-man just to get rid of him, just to maybe have to DFA him a couple months down the road, and then any team can pick him up and put him in the minor leagues. Right. Right? So... I, I think when you start looking at it, if the Red Sox do want to bring in three or four free agents uh, and bring them on to the 40-man, they're going to have to clear more 40-man spots. And we've heard that they, that they're very high on Mauricio Yovera, um, that they liked what they saw out of him. So it doesn't seem like he's necessarily going to go anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't have options. So that's a guy who's not going to be touched probably until at least spring training. Um, 
And like I said, Mata, he's probably not going to be touched at least spring training. He was already on the 40-man, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of guys there where it's like, okay, maybe you start to see – maybe they don't see Drohan in the same picture as some of those other guys, right? And Yover is a guy who throws pretty hard, has a nasty secondary pitch. Um, so I think that's maybe where they went with Drohan decided, you know what, we're not going to add him. Because, and I think that goes maybe goes back to Breslow. I think if Heim was here, I think Heim would, would have added him. But under Breslow, oh, absolutely, I, yeah, I, I can I, I can see why. And you have guys too. You have a lot of guys, you know, in in that you know a guy like Orion Fernandez, who a lot of people thought would was going to get added. A lot of people thought he might get added. He didn't get added as well. And that's a guy who, you know, yeah, struggled in AAA, but mostly AA. But he's a reliever. You never know; someone could take him. He didn't get added either. Um, although he was a lot of people, you know, thought it was clear Drohan was going to be added and he wasn't. Fernandez wasn't like a clear ad necessarily, um, although a lot of people thought he might be added. But it, so it, but I think it kind of shows where Breslow has the vision for the Red Sox and for the pitching side of things. Um, and, and I and I I think that picture of what he has, I think a guy like Johan maybe just doesn't fit into that picture. Um Especially like when I go back to the velo and the stuff, Drohan isn't that kind of guy. Right. Look, I mean, you you mentioned it before. Like, look, do they really value him? And they're by not putting him on the forty man. That means that that sends a message that they're comfortable exposing him in the Rule Five draft. Look, if someone picks him up, you know, it's their guy, and he has to be put on the big league roster. And Red Sox clearly see, um see it it's okay that to expose him like that um so logan gillespie got claimed today or yesterday one of the guys today by the padres so 40 man's down to 38 so you have two spots to work with i think there's one more easy dfa if needed um in i feel like what's his name i think do we still have yeah zach weiss if needed we can always dfa that's one you have easy him and DFA. arguably even Joe Jakes, arguably. Joe Jakes. He's arguably um, an easy DFA. Yeah, he's a – yeah, so you have two guys uh, who if you yeah. need spots. So four spots in total that uh, at least I'm comfortable like DFA. And then maybe the Wyatt Mills, although he, he'll he be added option, to the though. six. Yeah, but he's going to be on the 60-day injured list. You got Tommy John. So right. when, the, when the season comes around, that 40-man spot will reopen. But so, you can but only do a, that during spring training, correct? Yeah, exactly. They have to wait till uh, like the end of spring training, I think. Right. So, but so, during the off season, that forty minutes, he will have to hold a forty man spot. Mm-hmm. Once the off season, once they get to the season, though, that forty man spot will open itself up. Correct. Yeah. Um, and also, too, uh, what was I going to say? I totally forgot. Um, oh yeah, you can't trade Rohan. That's the thing. Yeah, they have to wait till after the Rule Five draft if they want to trade him. Yeah, which makes sense. Which I mean, we, we you call, I called you. I'm like, yo, they didn't put they put Drohan on the roster, and and then before I knew about the trade rule, but it makes sense at the end yeah. of the day. But yeah, so any final thoughts on the forty man? I mean, it's gonna be. I think I think we're in a better spot than last year. Yeah, for sure. I think the Drohan thing was a little bit of a shock. I think Ryan Fernandez was a little bit of a shock, but not like a massive shock. Um, it wasn't like a – I don't think it was like a massive shock for Ryan Fernandez to miss out. Um, but I think you start looking at the 40-man now, and it's like, okay, 
uh, it's kind of built out, honestly. And, you know, they still have, you know, and I think next offseason is going to be the real test offseason. Oh, yeah. 40, man, because you have, you know, the Blaze Jordans and the Nick Yorks and of the world and, um, and guys like that. And you have, you know, your, uh, you, have, you have the guys, um, oh, what's his face? Um, you have the Hunter Dobbins of the world who, you know, maybe could potentially be added at some point. You have the Jordani Manegros. You have um, a bunch of those guys. Ryan and Fernandez you, again. You have Luis Guerrero Fernandez again next year. Um, and a bunch of relievers that, you know, are potential options, right? Yeah, our, uh, my guy, Christopher Troy, uh, shout out to CT. Um, he's 40-man eligible next offseason. Um, so, like, there's a lot of guys next offseason where it gets really interesting, especially on the pitching side because um, there are a lot of big arms there, like a guy like CT, for example. Uh, that's a very electric fastball, nasty secondary pitches. Um, he'll probably start next year in double-A, I would assume, um, considering that's where he ended last year. But you never know, maybe triple-A, you never know. Um, but that's a guy who next you come next year, like after the end of next year, he might mm-hmm. he might end up getting added. You got Justin Hangman too. Added. Yeah, Hangman. Uh, Luis Guerrero could be at, is going to be added. Although Ryan I think Hagenman's Hagenman's um, eligible yeah, right now. He's eligible like. this year, but if he sticks around, obviously. Yeah. Um, but like Luis Guerrero next year is going to be added. Ryan Fernandez could be added next year too, right? Like, and those are just relievers, like. Well, like I said, you still have the Blaze Jordan, the Nick York, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going it, to be yeah. very interesting. And you have a guy like, a, you know, if Johan sticks around, you know, then you got to add him next year if you want to keep him, right? Um, and then you have guys like, uh, I know, uh, Brandon Bonacy is having his legal issues and whatnot. We're not going to, you know, get into that. But so they obviously didn't add him this year, but that's a guy, you know, if those get, those issues get, you know, solved and fixed and whatnot, and he's able to play next year that's a guy who could potentially be added uh at the end of next year as well so there's like a lot of guys uh and names so the 40 man could get very very interesting soon but i think that also Mm -hmm. opens up avenues for trades because you know oh we might need to add five guys to the 40 man at the end of after next year well maybe we trade away one of those guys maybe it is a nick york for example in a package to get a pretty solid starting starting pitcher right um, you know, cause I know that's a name. He's been a name that's been thrown around by fans as oh, maybe if you're not going to trade the Anthony, the Meyer, Anthony's, uh, and Blaise and those guys, you're not going to, and Teal, you're not going to trade any of those guys. Nick York might be your next best guy in terms of value to trade. Um, so that's a potential option, um, because next off season, he does need to be added. So you can also do a little bit of forward thinking that way in terms of the 40 man as well. Um, but I yeah. think. I think they, I, I like where they're at on the 40 man. I'm um, obviously they'll bring in, they're obviously going to make some signings. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. We get to spring training and Weiss isn't there. I wouldn't be shocked if Joe Jakes isn't there. Um, but yeah. I, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked at that, but they're there now because they have the spots. Mm. So you might as well hold on to them. I think my, in my opinion, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Mata. Like, yes. It, it, I, well, it, he's going to stick around. I would believe, I believe yeah. he sticks around. Because I don't know what you're going to get for him in a trade. Bundle him up. I don't know. You're not going to get anything. But even then, is it really worth it? You might as well no, keep him. No, because he has to. Yeah, I think they're going to keep he's gonna, him. He's, he fits that philosophy. Elite fastball, really good secondaries. He's just got to put it all together. And he's and a bullpen healthy. guy, too. He's going to have to be a bullpen guy. He's not starting. That's the problem. He's not going to start. He's going to have to be a bullpen guy. Because he has to be on the big league roster next year. Right. 
Now we we yeah, we, we even we even talked about this during the season last like th- this past season. Like, look, they they gotta figure out what they want to do with Mata. He's been hurt, and yeah. If so. he's injured, like yeah, you can stash him on the injured list. But like, if he's you healthy, can't rely like, on he's... a phantom injury. No, I'm, but I said if he actually is injured, you can just th- obviously you can stash him on the injury list and not have to worry about it in that sense. But if he's healthy, he's got to be on the big league team. Mm-hmm. Can't phantom Aiello like it doesn't. That doesn't. It, you can't just say, "Oh, his elbow hurts," and stick him on the IL all year. Like it doesn't work. No, they'd be dumb to do that. Very. They wouldn't be allowed so, to. I mean, look, injury cheating. I think is they tried to cut down on it. I think it's it's more more and more obvious. I mean, look at Corey Kluber. They didn't want to DFA him. That's a little clearly, bit different, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The guy's um, old. He might have actually feeling some elbow pain, and it's also too a little bit of a reset for him. Right. That's so. Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's a that's it for the forty men. Let's move on to. Friday, which is the non-tender deadline. If you don't know what the non-tender deadline is, anybody on their rookie contract and anybody who's arbitration eligible, um, the, their respective teams front office must decide whether to tender them a contract. And a lot of non-tender candidates come from guys who are going to hit arbitration. Um, for example, if they don't want to pay someone what they're get, expected to get in arbitration, then they'll non-tender him. Um, I think the, uh, a good example is Cody Bellinger, last year with the Dodgers got non-tendered and signed with the Cubs in free agency. So um, a couple guys, I think, I think we have five or six guys. We have Alex Verdugo. I'll pull up, I'll pull up the exact numbers and guys at the moment, but um, they have some guys, not a ton of non-tender candidates. So five, there are five guys, Alex Verdugo sitting his third year of arbitration it's expected to make $9.2 million. This uh, Nick Pavetta, ARB3, $7.5 million. Luis Urias, ARB3, but he's a Super 2, uh, meaning he has another year of arbitration, uh, $4.7 million. Reese McGuire, ARB2, $1.6 million. And John Schreiber's hitting arbitration for the first time, so he's ARB1, $1.3 million. So only five guys compared. A lot of teams have much, many more guys. Um, I'll ask you, Derek. Um, I think, in my opinion, I think Urias and McGuire are the only non-tender candidates. Not saying they're getting non-tendered, but what are your thoughts as we approach the deadline and on Friday? I personally don't think anyone gets non-tendered. I think Reese McGuire, like he's a decent backup catcher. Like he's nothing special, yeah. but like he's a decent backup catcher. Like I don't think you're just gonna get rid of him. Um, now I, I, I mean, I could see Urias getting a. Uh, non-tendered like i could see it i just i think there's too much upside there to non-tender him um and especially to add a position at second base which is probably their biggest position player hole you know maybe besides like a slugging dh but even then like there's only so many of those guys um so i i think i think that's probably where they go um i think they probably don't non. I think I would lean towards a not a non-tendering nobody. I think they probably keep everyone. I think like I said I think the I think the upside for Urias at second base, uh, I think it's too high for you to not non-tender because he's decent defensively there and he has that upside with the bat. Whereas Pablo Reyes like just had a career year and like can he repeat that? Especially if you give him more playing time. I don't know. 
Um, and then Emmanuel Valdez, the bat could be there. I mean, we'll see. But, like, the the glove is, like, such a question mark with him. It's, so it's, like, Urias, I, I think just because the upside that he brings, and you know he'll at least be stable at second base, um, I, I think he will still be tendered. I don't see why they shouldn't non-tender him unless they legitimately have another plan at second base. But even then, just because you have a plan doesn't mean it's going to happen. So I think, I think you probably tender him. I, I think if he's tendered, he's your starting second baseman. Most likely. Yeah. That's the and worst case scenario. If he's a bench bat, guess what? It's not a bad guy to have on the bench. You know why? No. Rafi needs a day at DH. He can play third base. Second baseman, maybe it's like Whit Mer- I know mm. Whit Merrifield's been a name that throw- that's been thrown around. Yoshida yeah. needs a day at DH. Yeah. Merrifield can play left field. Put put Urias at second, or Merrifield put him at second base. Right. So you you do have it's he's not a terrible guy to have on your team regardless. And in the grand scheme of things, if four point seven million is what it's expected to be, is what's going to keep you from if that's if that's the difference between you going over the third threshold and, and or not, like you might have bigger problems. If Luis Urias right. is making that difference, right? You might have different problems. Right. Um, look, I think this year you're going to be what I'm hearing too from I'm just reading a lot of stuff that it's likely going to be a DH by committee this year. I don't think they're going to want you. Yoshida. Seems likely. It's yeah, more. Yeah, it seems likely that DH by committee, Yoshida, Devers, and some other known candidate, but. Maybe Casas, I don't know. They also need a backup se- uh, first baseman too. Let's not forget about that, which is yes. actually a problem that is not talked about. Not a problem, but yeah, right but like backup-, backup first baseman at the same time, you could get a guy. If you can get a guy who play first and third, kind of like well, that can like, kind of solve. Like it. right now, your backup is Pablo Reyes. Yeah, wasn't no. They'll get there. someone. It's just it's not like you know. That's not top of the bucket. That's not top of the list. That's like right bottom of the list. Worst case scenario, you have Bobby Dahlbeck, which it's a it's not great, but guess what? Casas is playing the majority of games there anyway, so like, don't diss really on matter. the Bobmanheimer. okay? Um, but no, in all seriousness, yeah, they they, it, it, I think I think first base is a wait and see. Um, you know, I kind of opened up on X or Twitter and whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't be opposed to a JD Martinez, um, reunion, but. That shouldn't be your priority, not by any means. Pitching should be your number one priority. Um, look, if he wants to come back and he's open to coming back for like, I don't know, ten million. I mean, maybe. Who knows? Give him the ten million dollars special and say, okay, well, you know the system. Let's get back at it. You know, thirty home run guy, hundred RBI guy last year for the Dodgers, pretty good. Something we need. We need power. But like, like I said, that should not be your priority. Pitching's got to be your priority too. That that's a full time DH and doesn't seem that's the way they want to go. Right, exactly. Um, and they also yeah. need out need to trade some outfielders too. There's also that problem too. You got to tr- un- unless you're gonna have Raffaella play shortstop or second base, which I yeah, or you're gonna have him start the year in AAA. Which why? No, no I'm why? saying that's like no, I'm no, saying no, 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 that's no, no, what no, I mean. no, no, no. I'm I'm like I'm like why do they why do people why do people or I don't know why he would start. No, I mean, if you have, okay, let's hypothetically, if they don't change their outfit, they don't get rid of any outfielders, they don't add anyone. You have Duran, Yoshida, Verdugo, Abreu, and Ref Snyder is your five outfielders. 
Mm-hmm. And so then gotta, yeah. does Rafaela make the MLB roster at that point? Even with Verdugo gone, you still got to get rid of someone. No? Well, yeah, I mean, not necessarily. I think you could get rid of Verdugo and you have, roll with five outfielders because Rafaela can still play the infield, so he gives you versatility in that sense. Um, especially, too, if you're going to have an outfielder like Yoshida DHing a decent chunk of the time. Um, but I think that in the grand scheme of things, because if Rafael is playing center field, where's Jaron Duran playing? True. Left. He's, play, he's playing left field. He's not playing right field at Fenway. Hell no. They haven't shown any inclination to want to put him in right field. So he's playing oh. left field. Which I know means, he's a center fielder. I know he's a center fielder, but he shouldn't be playing right field. He's not playing. No, he doesn't. No, he's not playing right field. No. He has no um, arm. He has no so arm. then if you have Rafael in center and Duran in left, Yoshida's DHing, and then you're looking at Willier Abreu. Uh, or Rob Ruffsnyder in right field, and you can platoon the two of them. And also, too, you can use Yoshida. Can if Yoshida needs to play left field, maybe get Duran off his feet. Um, maybe even you occasionally would see Rafaela in right field. Although I think he's that kind of guy where he's so good defensively in center, you just stick him there and don't worry about it because he'll be amazing. And I think that'll help. I think Duran in left field could be a legitimately really good defender as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think it's going to be interesting. Nonetheless, it's just like, there's a log jam. There's yeah. something's got to give. Something's got to give. Right? Exactly. They got to trade somebody. I think Verdugo's gone. I think all yeah. Red Sox fans can agree. Um, I don't think he's a hundred percent gone analysts. because like I, Here's the thing. I wouldn't say he's 100% gone because I could very easily see it being Duran getting traded and he's the big headline piece in a package for a starting pitcher. Uh, yeah. But then where are you going to put – yeah, then then, then if you – if you put right and then mm-hmm. Abreu could be the left fielder. So And Yoshida would be a DH and then occasionally obviously Yoshida would play left and Abreu can play right, center, left. Verdugo yeah. can play right and left. Verdugo's not going to net you anything. Duran would. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Verdugo's not going to get you a massive return. Duran, especially if you were to pay him with like a Nick York per se, you could go out and get a guy for the top end of your rotation and a guy mm-hmm. who has control. Yeah. I mean, look, I think I've been hearing from a lot of like insiders that the Brewers are probably going to look to blow it up which they probably should. Rosenthal, I listened to Rosenthal's podcast. They said the Brewers are in a spot where it'd be stupid not to blow it up, right? All their guys are going to be free agents soon. Um, I think I think you can go after Burns. I think Burns is a great guy to go after. Um, hefty price, but he'd be your ace. Um, you know, Fred, if they, if they want to trade Freddie Peralta, sure. I think he has another year on his deal too. Um, but yeah, I mean... Look, we're we're gonna get in the off season. I think not. We're tendering contracts. I think everyone's gonna get tendered. Um, I think the one, in my opinion, Urias is a fifty fifty. But off season projections, um, yeah, uh, they got to get a number one if they want to be competitive. It's just how where's it gonna come from? I think I think if you're gonna get a number one, it's got to come from the trade market, just because the free agent market doesn't have a lot of number one certainty. They do like, like we talked about, there are guys who can serve as number ones, but not, it wouldn't be the same as the, like, like we, we talked about snow. We talked about it. We talked about it already, but you know, if you're going to get a number two in Jordan Montgomery, a Yoshinomo Yamamoto, 
and then you go you go out and say I'm going to go trade Jaron Duran and a couple prospects for a, a Corbin Burns. So you're looking at Corbin Burns, Yoshinomi Yamamoto, um, Jordan Montgomery, um, Bayo, and then you have a five star who you can use anybody. Boom. The only thing Jordan. I would say is on the uh, Burns thing, I feel like the Red Sox maybe don't have the best fit package for the Brewers because like you want to use Duran. Well, like they don't need outfielders, right? Like they're kind of set. Like <laughs> they're very much set there. Even in the minor leagues, they're set. Uh, even a guy like a Nick York, like they're kind of set. Like they don't necessarily need a second baseman. Um, and that sense, like, I think they'd be more so looking for pitching prospects, especially mm-hmm. as like a lead piece. Um, and the Red Sox don't really have that to offer. They're not going to give a Bayo, obviously. So, like, they don't, the Red Sox don't have that kind of pitching prospect to offer up in a trade. Um, but, like, then again, maybe you start looking at other options. Maybe a Mitch Keller. Maybe it's a Dylan Cease. I'm not massive. I'm not super high on Dylan Cease. But, like, I wouldn't be against it. The package, right. He's still I, number one. You know, He's still number one. Eh, I'd say I'd, I'd, I'd be more comfortable with him as two, maybe, but like maybe Luis you know. Robert too. I know he has effort issues, but like, look, eh, but that's I, another outfielder though. That then you're running into that. But then you would have to trade outfielder. out. Then you have to train another outfielder. Exactly, and you're running into that problem. Again, you're running in the so. yeah. I mean, for the right yeah. guys, don't get me wrong. I I trade if, if if the if the guys if the right guys are traded. Yeah, I'll do it. But I, I also want to be smart on what we do. That makes sense. Oh, for sure, for sure. But like, like I think, I think the thing is in terms of like what you're looking for if you're the Red Sox. Like, you're looking for in terms of like which which players are the best players versus like what it's going to cost to get them. Which players are essentially what? Which who are the best players? Which players are going to bring you the most value? And then what is the cost of acquiring that player? And Correct. is does the cost fit? Because a guy like a Jordan Montgomery, right? If the bidding is going to be in the six years, hundred and eighty million range, the cost probably exceeds the value, right? You look at guys like Blake Snell. If he's in the two hundred fifty million dollar range, cost exceeds the value most likely. Uh, but if you look at a guy like a Yoshinobu Yamamoto, if his deal is the projected of nine years, two hundred and twenty million by MLB trade rumors. I don't think the cost outweighs the out, outweighs the value on that deal, especially if he's the guy that, if especially if he translates like we think he can. Like, I think the value on that might outweigh the cost and would make that deal worth it, right? Um, and then, it, or when you're looking for trades, what are you giving up in a trade, and does the value of what you're giving up out? You know, does the cost of what you're giving up in terms of the value of those players? Does that outweigh what you're getting? Obviously, sometimes you're going to take a little bit of a hit in a trade because it's a piece that you really need. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to make a trade just for the sake of making a trade and be like, oh, we got this guy. But then it's like, yeah, but you gave up A, B, and C, and you really maybe only needed to give up like B and C and left out A. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other thing is like a, a team, if they're going to give up pitching, they want pitching in return. And you don't have – you don't have – your diamonds are not pitching – I mean, look, you have you have some, but like the main diamonds are not pitching prospects. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, look, I think my, my projection is I think we're gonna get Nola. I think we're I think I think at the end of the day they they're gonna be desperate to get some someone. But I, I also think I'll take that back. I think they're gonna get Yamamoto. 
I, I have I just have that feeling, you know. I know there have been there's a report coming out that like oh Japanese players don't like to play with other Japanese players. That's but. okay. There's there are, one Yamamoto is okay with it. Two Yamamoto's very close friends with uh, Masataka Yoshida, so that's not really that big of a problem in that sense. And three, it's more so because it's like in Japanese culture, there's kind of like a hierarchy based on like seniority. But at the same time, like if you're a Japanese player and it's like, oh yeah, my friend who I've played with for my whole career except for last year is on that team, right? And yeah, Yoshida is a, a position player and Yamamoto's a pitcher, but it's like, okay, like it's not. And for Yamamoto, it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. He's going to get posted any day now. Right. Yeah. Uh, Imanaga will get posted. Yeah. I don't know about Yamamoto. Yamamoto. I mean, could be any day, but like we don't, we're not a hundred percent sure on his timeline. Right. I mean, was you, how was it? Do you remember how it was for Yoshida? Was it like well, planned out? Yoshida. I like, there was like, there was like things like he's, he'll get posted in the coming days. Yada, yada. He's going to be posted this day um, at this time. And then eventually he got posted that day. And then like half an hour later agrees to a deal with the Red Sox. So it played out extremely fast for him. I think Yamamoto's will be – he's not going to sign 30 minutes after he gets posted. No. Um, but because it's definitely going to be a bidding war for sure, and there's going to be a lot of teams pulling for him. Um, it's not going to be a team one team just blowing everyone else out of the water. Um, but I definitely think that uh, it'll it'll be a little bit more of a process with him. Now, he's only limited. He's only got 45 days once he's posted, right? But – He's not going to sign the first day. I wouldn't even say – I don't even think he's going to sign in the first 10 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Yoshida wasn't like, oh, everyone wants him. I mean, you, you had people saying he wasn't even worth half of what he got, right? So everyone he wants – not everyone. Everyone who needs pitching wants Yamamoto. So, yeah, like you said, he'll probably be – his market will heat up as time goes on. Yeah. So. So, yeah, anything else you got? Uh, no, not really. I think I'm kind of – I think I'm good with that. I think that kind of settles the market for the most part, especially in that sense. And Because we took it from non-tenders to kind of free agents. But, yeah, I think that kind of covers most. If you most want if you want some mini news, I mean, there was a minor trade 30 minutes ago. The A's acquired infielder Abraham Toro from the Milwaukee Brewers in exchange for uh, – Right-hander Chad Patrick. Great. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, but other than that, crickets. Um, Shout-out to Chris Martin for earning a Cy Young vote. Fifth-place yes. vote. Getting 12th. Getting 12th, which is wild to me. But he deserved it. I mean, look. Oh, yeah, for sure. In this day and age, relievers don't get the love that they used to. I mean – it's probably impossible for a reliever to win now, um, even if they did put up perfect numbers. So, yeah, shout-out to Chris Martin for winning a vote from uh, – I forget who. Winning a vote. <laughs> it was a Saya vote. He got a fifth-place vote from someone. It, well, it wasn't any of the Boston guys, for what I know. I know McAdam got a ballot and Pete Abraham got a ballot. That's all I know. Shocker, Pete Abraham gets a ballot. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, for Derek McGuire and the Blah 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 crew, I'm Jason Stalakis. Thanks for watching or listening or however you're watching this, and go Sox.